Welcome to the third episode of I Probably Should Love Myself By Now. The topics discussed in this podcast today might be disturbing or triggering for some listeners, especially those who are struggling with food weight or body image. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm testing the recording right now, so I'm going to see if it works. See if I can okay. hear you. It's all right. <laughs> it's fine. I'm so okay. okay, I don't know why I'm nervous for my own podcast. This is weird. <laughs> okay, so, hi, I'm here with my friend Natalie, and me and Natalie met at treatment. So say hi, Natalie. Hi. Um, yeah, so I have a couple questions I'd like to ask you um, as someone okay. who also suffers with an ED. So when did your history with your eating disorder begin? would you say? Um, I think when I was 17, I think that's when it like really started. Um, and it was kind of weird because it started, I was on a medication, Wellbutrin, and it took away my appetite. Okay. So I just like took advantage of that. And then I like didn't stop. <laughs> yeah. So it just kind of like went from there and kind of consumed me I guess yeah so do you think there was like any like outside influences there that like kind of contributed to it or do you think that it was like mostly the medication um it's it's hard to tell but I feel like I don't know it might have been mostly the medication at first and then it just kind of became more about like control and like it was something I could control and like use as a coping mechanism. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I feel like for me, I, it started off as something very internal and then it became something very external. Like I found that like the more I was like talking to people and like they were noticing what I was looking like, that was an influence. I don't know if that you've had like a similar experience. Like did you ever yeah. get any compliments or yeah, anything? I, I think so. I think, like, when you get positive feedback for how you're looking when you're, like, trying to restrict, it, it, like, fuels your eating disorder because you're, like, it's, like, a positive affirmation for, like, what you've been doing, and it's kind of, like, rewarding. So I feel like that makes you keep going, if that's what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like so many doctors don't even realize that, like, medication, like, they should be... I don't know, talking to like their patients and trying to figure out if they're like susceptible to that stuff before they prescribe you with something. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And like, I, yeah, obviously can't take that medication anymore, but like, it, like I probably shouldn't have taken it in the first place. Yeah. But again, that's like a hundred percent not your fault. Like, and no one would know that that would like yeah. have that effect on you. I'm on Wellbuterin right now, um, actually. And I've noticed a similar thing with the appetite. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like one of the only ones that works for me. So it's like, something yeah. that, you know, but yeah. So what were your symptoms that you suffered from? Like, I guess when I say symptoms, I mean like physical symptoms and like emotional and mental symptoms. Um, like the negative effects of my eating disorder. Yeah. I think a lot of like foggy brain like I just feel like I wasn't fully there and I was so tired all the time yeah um 
just like a lot of fatigue um and I had a lot of like physical effects um from like purging so I would have like acid reflux and like just you know like not feeling great overall but like for some reason I had this like cognitive dissonance where like no matter what happened to me like if I was feeling lightheaded like feeling like I was gonna faint like it wouldn't deter me from like my behaviors like I I just thought that like nothing could happen to me like I just thought that like that only happened to other people that's such a good point like I was actually talking about that yesterday with um someone that I met I was like saying like yeah like I was nervous to meet you so before I came I like barely ate anything all day because I was worried you were gonna think I was fat and she was like what the heck like that's crazy like I don't see you that way at all and like it's just so interesting that the things we tell ourselves you know what I mean yeah Mm -hmm. and like I've fainted before and I remember again like you said thinking like oh that would never happen to me that's like just like you'd see it on tv or something and then it happens to you and you're like oh this is very real yeah like um recently I've just been uh having some issues well I've been like orthostatic um, oh me too yeah. same Basically, girl like your blood pressure is all messed up and yeah. it kind of freaked me out because I was like I've never had like anything because it just wasn't going away like it's still not going away yeah so orthostatic so, is when like you're sitting down right and then you stand up too quickly and you feel like really dizzy because your blood pressure can't adjust right yes exactly and um so that that was like kind of because I I feel like I've had that for a while, but, like, when I went to treatment, to residential, they were like, oh, this isn't good. And I kind of was like, wow, like, I didn't realize anything bad would ever happen to me. Yeah, that's so <laughs> but, real. But, like, it makes sense considering, like, you're literally starving yourself and, and doing all these things to your body. Like, obviously something bad is going to happen. Have you ever seen the show Full House? Um, um, I haven't. Okay, never mind. But I was gonna say, there's this episode where, like, um, one of the daughters is, like, going to the gym, and she, like, hasn't eaten anything all day, and she, like, faints. And I remember, like, watching that episode of being, like, oh, my God, that would never happen to me. Like, that's so dramatic. And then, like, one time, it, like, happened to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, like, you see yeah. dramatizations on, like, Netflix and everything, and you're, like, like, psh, like, these people are so weak, you know? Like, I'm so strong. And yeah. You're not. It's like delusional. Like it is. I literally thought that, like, for some reason, I, like I was different, and that, like, you know, when you're when I was like going to therapy, and like they would kind of try to scare me into like stopping restricting and tell me like all these negative things. I just feel like, oh yeah, but like that's not going to happen to me, so it's fine. Yeah, that's crazy, and like you only realize that when you're refed a bit and you're like that was insane you know what yeah. I mean in the moment it feels so so real yeah and so you're talking about orthostatic blood pressure um anything else like you had acid reflux um, yeah um, how did you feel I, about your moods at the time like were they really unsteady unstable yeah it definitely affected my mood like I was just a lot more depressed when I was restricting um And, like, but 
I also couldn't like connect that like at the time like I just didn't realize that it was affecting me yeah. like in my mood but it definitely was and I think like uh it, it makes it so that your medications don't work as well because they're not like I don't know how the science works but like when you're not eating like your body can't absorb it the right way so yeah exactly yeah I think um I lost my train of thought but you know, it's funny because I think when we were in treatment together, we were like laughing all the time. And I I honestly feel like that was because we were eating. Because we were like, so. yeah, because we were like, oh my, our bodies were like, what the heck? Like, this is so crazy. You know what I mean? Like, we have food. Like, I'm manic right now. Yeah. Me and Natalie would be like, we're the next Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> uh, like, we thought we were Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, like coming um, back. Definitely had some like delusions. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like because we were both like that, like we were like fueling each other, but not in a this. bad way. But like more like I want you to get better. So like you know what I mean. Like I don't think yeah. it was competitive at all. Like I think definitely with girls, like it's easy to be competitive. But I think we both were like competitive in the way like we're like we want the other person to get better so badly, but we couldn't yeah. take our own advice. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So you are yeah. turning 19, right? Or are you I just turned 19, yeah. Oh, that's right. You are a cancer, right? Yes, I am. Oh, yes. Happy late birthday. Thank um, you. So you first got sick when you were 17. So mm-hmm. how many times have you – could you, like, describe your treatment, like, history, if you don't mind? Yeah. Um. I think, like, I hit it a lot in the beginning. Like, I feel like I hit it so much that, like, it was crazy the lengths that I would go to. Like, I would just hide, like, my school lunches, like, in the trunk of my car, which, like, sounds insane. But, like, I would just do things like that. And, like, you know, just I was really sly about it. And then Mm -hmm. finally, like, my mom figured it out like I mean she just figures everything out but um so I was already seeing a therapist um and then like I came clean to my therapist and then we kind of just oh I had a nutritionist I started seeing but that wasn't really working because I wouldn't listen to the nutritionist and then um finally so I went to the hospital um in the spring of 2018 I think they kind of were like oh your eating disorder is making everything worse like yeah so we need to treat that first to get everything else better and so I started going to um intensive outpatient treatment or program IOP Mm -hmm. and that was like three hours a day for five days a week and then I like was there all last summer and then I I feel like I started to recover like by the end I was doing really well but then I went to college and it kind of just all went downhill because I wasn't getting like as much support anymore yeah like I was seeing a therapist and a dietitian but like again like I wouldn't listen to the dietitian like no one could like watch me anymore because I was just more independent so it kind of got worse all year and sometimes it would get a little better, but then it would, like, go back to being bad. And so then, like, it, like, got bad again. 
I guess, right before I went and met you. And then now yeah. I'm like, well, then after that, I went to residential treatment for a month, over a month, I think. And then I now I'm back to like going to the five days a week. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's just, I think, especially in college when people don't know you and you have to like make new friends, like you were a freshman, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like people like either don't know what to say to someone that they don't know very well when they first meet them that they can tell is like maybe not eating enough or um, they don't know your baseline. And I think, mm-hmm. like, you can kind of, like, take advantage of that and just, like, not speak up, you know? Like, yeah, someone definitely. doesn't know, like, what, you're, what you naturally look like and they can't really tell when something's different, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, like, what you natu- your natural habits are. They're not your close friends at first. Um, and then as you get to know them, it's different. But I think college, like, personally for me, when I went to college, I got a lot better at first because I was around like tons of new friends and I was really happy. And I think that when you're happy, your tendencies can like subside a little bit, you know, cause you like, don't, yeah, I don't know. You, you don't get as stuck in it and you're not, you're not using it to cope with something. So like when you're happier, I feel like at least for me, it's not as bad. So when I went to school for the first year and a half, I, I mean, I gained like the freshman 10 or whatever, but I felt so good. Um, and then Mm -hmm. I think slowly over time, it was just like, I mean, my father passed away and I think that was like a way for me to cope. Yeah, definitely. And it's so crazy that we do these things to cope because it literally just makes everything worse. Yeah. Like it doesn't help at all. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And it is such like a coping thing that we use yeah but you're right like it just makes everything worse but then like we think that we can use it to cope I guess it kind of like numbs you and you have something to control and like distract yourself with and it's like your friend in a way your friend that's really mean to you yeah (laughs) yeah that's a good way to describe it yeah it's like you're like my anorexia was like my best friend when I was 16 yeah which is like I'm 21 now and like we're still, like, we're not best friends, but, like, she still sleeps over sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> um, There's, like, that book. Um, I forget what it's called, but it kind of compares, like, your eating disorder to an abusive boyfriend. Yeah. And I feel like that's a good analogy. I don't know. It is, I think. Um, and I think from, like, in what ways do you think that, like, your eating disorder affects your life like in ways people wouldn't expect Hmm, um I think it can be pretty isolating like you can feel really lonely yeah definitely um because it's like a lot of secrets and hiding and just like I think it also makes you into like this form of yourself that like isn't you like it makes you into like it brings out your worst qualities. Like it makes you like a liar and like a yeah. It's you like know, you're not naturally a liar, but like you have to lie to keep up the facade of being okay, and that makes yeah. you feel really disingenuous. Exactly. Yeah. 
I feel like for me, like I was explaining this to someone the other day too. It was just that like, I don't know if you also suffer from body dysmorphia. I know they can go yeah. hand in hand. Do you also? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think body dysmorphia is so real. And personally, I think it's worse than my eating disorder now because I, I don't know, I've had it for so long that I feel like I can just be like, okay, shut up. But my body dysmorphia, I feel like just taints everything about my body and mind. Like, I'm just like, I don't do things because I'm worried about what I'll look like. Or like, I won't go to parties or like see people because I'm like, they're going to think that I'm fat or something like that. And it's like, hard for me to be intimate with people because I'm just like, so afraid about what they're going to think of my body. And that's also isolating, I guess. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think like just the body image part of it, like I feel like the behaviors can go away, but like that part for me has always been there and like continues to be there no matter like how recovered I feel like I am. And it definitely can lead you to like avoiding social situations. Yeah. Which sucks. And like also that intimacy part, like you just really don't want anyone to see you. Yeah. And it's kind of, like, in a way, like, it's not like you want compliments because, like, I personally don't. But I just kind of want to know that I'm not offending someone with the way that I look. I don't know if you feel similarly because I think everyone's a little bit different. But for me personally, like, sometimes I, like, ask people for validation. But it's, like, in a way that's, like, I just want to make sure that I'm not like my face isn't ruining your day, even though, you know, it doesn't have that power or something or your body or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Like sometimes I just want to ask people like, do I really look like this? And like, I'm not like looking for compliments. It's just kind of like a reality check to like calm myself down, I guess. Like, yeah. Okay. I don't actually look like that horrific. Yeah, and you don't. And, like, it's so crazy because, like, when my friends are, like, down on themselves, I get, like, so mad because I'm, like, you're so beautiful. Like, why can't you see it? And, like, I have to consciously tell myself, like, all right, I don't want to be that person that people get mad at. But inevitably, it can happen, you know? Yeah. And if people care about you. Sorry. No, go ahead. I definitely think that, like, people with eating disorders are – really compassionate people for everyone except for themselves yeah exactly and like you just don't want anyone to feel the way that you feel about yourself I think that's so true that's so true yeah I feel Mm -hmm. like I go out of my way to make sure people know that they're pretty but Mm -hmm. like I can't give myself that same love yeah but I also feel like um This is kind of a little bit different of a topic, but there are some times where other people just aren't sensitive to, like, what I'm going through. And, like, they make triggering comments. And I was wondering if you have had, like, similar experiences where you're, like, you should just never say that to someone that's suffering with this. I don't know if you've ever had comments that just, like, really bothered you or not. Or, like, when you hear something like, oh, you look so healthy and you're, like, what does that mean? Like, do I look fat or something? Like, that's how I feel sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Like, especially I think with my family, I think they're more understanding now, but like in the beginning when I was like doing better and like when I was gaining some weight last year, Mm -hmm. 
to be like healthier like they would say oh you look so healthy right now like you just look like a lot better and then in my brain like I just translated that as like I've gained so much weight and I look like different than what I want to be and I yeah like those little things um and then the opposite like when you're underweight like people like people complimenting me and saying like, Oh, like you lost weight. You look so good. Like that's just going to like make my ears sort of louder. Cause it's going to like hear that as validation. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. Like hard to be around it. And I think like when I went to college, like I was just surrounded by like people when we would like eat food in the dining hall, just making so many like negative comments about food. Like it yeah. was, very overwhelming and very like triggering I think yeah definitely what do you think your ideal response would be like if you could have someone a friend sit down when you're going through like a hard time and say something to you what would you want to hear um I think I would want to hear like just concern like I'm you know I want to make sure, like, you're getting the help you need. And, like, I'm always here to listen, you know? Yeah. I think, do you ever feel like, like, when it ever happens, like, to me or whatever, I try, like, I don't like when people talk about my weight or make it weight involved. I just, like, like them say, like, oh, I've noticed, like, this behavior. Like, you've been isolating yourself or something like that. You know what I mean? Or, like, you don't seem as happy. Stuff like that. Yeah. I think to make it about weight is like just like reinforcing that stereotype that eating eating disorders are just like only about food and weight because they're not. Yeah, they're not. And I, I agree. Like maybe just saying like, I've noticed you seem kind of distant and like isolating yourself or like make it more about emotions because yeah. that's what it's really about. Cause like you said, like eating disorders can make you suicidal like they really can especially when you're starving yourself um your brain does not think correctly and it's like it is a very I feel like after a certain point it's very noticeable yeah um I had a incident a couple weeks ago where I was at a bar um and I ran into someone and I've known her for a couple years and I told her that like I was and I had gotten hospitalized um and that I have anorexia and she said well you don't look that thin. And I was like, Oh my God. And I was like, what? And she was like, well, I just mean that like you look good. Like, and I said, well, I don't feel good. Like I was hospitalized for my anorexia. Like that's so invalidating when people say like, yeah. you don't look like you have an eating disorder. Like, I don't know where I also they're coming gained from. weight in treatment. So it's like, of course, like no shit. I look better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, to me, like, stuff like that is so insensitive. Like, oh, well, you don't look anorexic. It's like, well, people can be alcoholics, right, and not have had a drink in years. They're still an alcoholic. Like, I'm still yeah. anorexic even though I don't restrict every single day of my life. Exactly. Like I used to. And, like, people with eating disorders, like, so much of it is mental that, like, it doesn't matter what you look like. People can be entirely different sizes and still exactly. struggle. Exactly. That's so true. And like, I think more and more, like our culture is shifting toward like that whole thing where it's like, all right, eating disorders are not all underweight people. There's like 
EDNOS, like eating disorder mm-hmm. not otherwise specified, or like bulimia, or there's plenty of other ones. Um, exercise bulimia, diabulimia, um, mm-hmm. atypical anorexia, which is when you're anorexic but you're not underweight and you still have your period. There's like yeah. plenty of other ones um, and just combinations. So it's like you don't have to be underweight. And I think the lowest points in my life were when I wasn't underweight because I felt like I wasn't heard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when I was underweight, people took me seriously, but I could fly under the radar when I wasn't. I really agree. And I think like it's almost like more dangerous when you aren't underweight because like you're going to keep doing those behaviors because you feel like no one takes you seriously or like like it's very invalidating it is and by the time you are underweight it's like you're stuck with it you know what I mean mm -hmm. yeah I definitely felt that like at residential treatment because I went in like not underweight this time Mm -hmm. and I just felt like really I just constantly was invalidating myself and telling myself like I don't deserve to be here I'm not sick enough I'm not as sick as other people but like in reality like I needed to be there because I wanted to like address my eating disorder and like try to recover and I wasn't recovered so I I did need to be there but like because I just didn't feel like I was sick enough I just was constantly like telling myself I don't deserve to be here Like, hearing you say that, my heart just did a little flip. Like, I feel that. And that's, like, so sad to hear, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Like, when you hear, like, or you tell yourself you're not sick enough, it's, like, usually because you are sick. Yeah. Um, And that's very strong of you, I think, to be, like, you know, like, to silence that voice. Because it's very hard to silence. It is. And I don't know if we, like, completely learn to silence it. We just learn to turn the volume down, you know? Yeah, definitely. So how do you feel, like, now? Do you think that you're, like, I don't know. I don't know if I personally believe that, like, recovery is 100% achievable. I feel like I read a lot of articles about it. I've done a lot of research and also just from my personal experiences I feel like remission for a long period of time is like very possible and you can be happy and live a full life if you get help. But I'm not sure if like full recovery is possible. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. And if you consider yourself recovered now, even though you haven't been in treatment for very long. I kind of feel like, yeah, I feel like right now I'm in remission because I'm not acting on behaviors and I'm like eating every day but I don't feel recovered because I still have all the negative thoughts like all the time I'm constantly like you know feeling guilty after meals and like just trying to think about like you know like ways that I can compensate for like having eaten yeah And, and I feel like that's still very disordered and I kind of agree like I don't know if full recovery is possible, which is kind of like depressing to think, but 
even at my best points, I've still had like negative thoughts, like about my body and like just different intrusive thoughts about like, you know, once you know, like how many calories are in something like that, you know, it that forever. knowledge isn't going to go yeah. away. Like you still have that forever. My sister and I were like talking about this and she was like, you need to go back in a treatment because you count calories every single day. And I said, like, that's like OCD. Like you can't just like unlearn that there are 100 calories in an apple. Like I'm always going to know that. Yeah. I'm not going to forget it, but it's more like, all right, now tell yourself, what are you going to do with that knowledge? You can say, okay, thank you, brain. That's what someone told me once. And that's (laughs) what I do now. Like, okay, thanks. You know, like, great. I'm going to eat it anyways. Yeah. I think like a lot of it is opposite action where like you literally have to like retrain your brain to go against what your thoughts are telling you to do. And so like, I think that's how you can get towards recovery is like just like acting in opposite to like those negative thoughts can like, you know, you get those like new pathways in your brain. And people don't realize how hard that is. You know, they're like, oh, just eat, just do this. And it's, there's no just about it. It's very, very hard to do. It's so difficult. And like, I don't know, I feel like it doesn't get like easier for a while. Eventually it does get easier, but it just feels like so um, difficult and like discouraging because you just, you're not acting on behaviors, but you're still like having all these negative thoughts. Yeah. And you're like, you know, you kind of like don't know what to do with that energy. And that's why like art therapy and all those different therapies are so like common in recovery because they're like, what are you going to do with these emotions? Yeah. But yeah, I think the thing that I've been struggling with lately is like just hearing people say like, oh, like, like just people underestimating how difficult it can be. Yeah. And trying to explain it to someone sometimes I feel like makes me feel really, really aware of the space between where I am and where I want to be. Because I'm always like, oh, like I'm telling you like these really vulnerable things. And I feel like not like you think that I'm crazy, but like that I'll never get better because you don't think this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, that's why it goes back to the isolating thing. Yeah, it, it can make you feel so alone, like, with these thoughts, because it's not normal to think this way. Yeah. And so when you're having, like, I don't know, when, when you realize, like, how unhealthy your thinking is, like, you're like, wow, I, <laughs> that's messed up. Yeah. And, like, yeah. <laughs> what do you think your moment was? where you were like, all right, I need help. I know probably for you was when you were forced to get help, but Mm -hmm. can you remember a time where you were like, this is messed up? Like you were cognizant of that. Can you remember any times? I think like, because there's so many times where like, I was just so caught up in the eating disorder that like I was just blind to how it was affecting me. Yeah. But I think, like, definitely when I went to the hospital, I was, like, kind of forced to, like, kind of evaluate how it was affecting me and my mental health. Yeah. And and kind of, like, 
because it's when you're like under 18 like when I first started getting treatment like you can't really choose like your parents can force you to and then you're not really like motivated by yourself yeah but I think like now that I'm older I have to like like I have to make that choice like every day that I'm gonna like go to treatment and do this like the motivation is more coming from myself now I think that's awesome that's really good mm-hmm. to hear. I think I, I because I suffered in silence for a long time and I didn't get help when I was under 18. Like I did. I went to a nutritionist and stuff, but like I didn't listen like you said. Mm-hmm. I think I got more aware of the times in my life where I was like that was really sick of me. And the, the moment I knew that I needed help was when I was 16 and my mom made chicken for dinner and I watched her cook it and she put like a little bit of olive oil in the pan and then she gave me some and she said you could have to have four bites like I was like a little kid and I was like all right and I had one bite and then I was like I'm gonna go upstairs and finish it in my room and then I went to my room and was like I can't do this and I went to the bathroom threw all the chicken into the toilet and flushed it then turned on the shower and made myself throw up the bite that I ate. And then I spent the whole night doing sit-ups and crying because I was afraid of the olive oil. And the next day I was like, what the, like, it took me a while, but I was like, I need help, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't think, I don't know. I think there's always, I feel like for me, there was moments where I could even like, as deep as I was, I could tell that, like, I felt so wrong. Like, like I was doing something so wrong, you know, the guilt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, have you ever kind of experienced something like that where you're like, like, I hate that I'm throwing away this food or, like, I hate that I'm doing this when, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think, like, the, I think, like, there's a lot of shame around, like, my purging, I think, because it's, like, so secretive where, like, I think I've had some realizations, like, wow, this is, like, really fucked up that I literally, like, left my friends to go, like, get rid of all this food that I ate, yeah. and, like, I I definitely am aware of, like, how messed up that is as I'm doing it, you know? Yeah. And that's, like, so sad for me to hear, too. Like, it's just such a all-consuming thing that like makes you leave things early, makes you lie, mm-hmm. makes you and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, honestly. Yeah. Um and I think a lot of people have experiences with like disordered eating and like in college like restricting and like extremes are so romanticized like I haven't eaten all day because I've been studying all day and stuff like that and that's like just so triggering for people with eating disorders you know yeah yeah definitely like just those little like disordered like comments that people make where they're like oh all I've had is like iced coffee today it's like okay do you realize like what you're saying yeah that's so unhealthy and like you don't know who's around you like what they've been through so you like really have to be careful about what you say exactly and with people's in college, bodies too. Like, so you're right like romanticized to just yeah. not eat and it's like 
I don't know, even with bodies, like, I try not to say, like, I don't know, specific things about people's bodies because I, like, don't want to trigger them in any way. Mm-hmm. So I try to use compliments like, oh, you look so happy, your skin's glowing, like, all this stuff. Or, like, I saw this thing that you did that's so cool. Or, like, you know, like, tell me about what's happening in your life. Like, mm-hmm. you seem really excited about life. Like, stuff like that. Like, I try to not make it about weight. You know, yeah. I think that's, like, the way we should be kind of shifting this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Because even when you think you're saying something positive about somebody's weight, like, that could really be internalized, like, negatively, depending on, like, how they're feeling, you know? Yeah. So, like, exactly. Like, that day at the bar where that lady said, like, you don't look that thin. I think she meant, like, oh, you look good. Like, you don't look that sick, right? But I take it as, like, oh, you don't look that thin. Like, you don't look thin enough to have anorexia. Yeah. And it's, like, you don't know. If I was two months ago, I would have left the bar and, like, like, I don't know, engaged in an eating disordered behavior. Like, whether that be purging or whatever it would be at the time. You know, you don't know what I would have done two months ago. Yeah. Thank goodness I'm not in that place now. Yeah, definitely. So I think, yeah, I don't know, lately this has been, like, it's summer, right? So, like, there's a lot of bathing suits and stuff. Oh, my God, yeah. Stuff like that. So I think it's so hard, especially, like, I feel your pain. Like, in the summer, going through treatment and, like, recovery is is difficult. Um, But, yeah. yeah. But your eating disorder doesn't really have any concept of time. It just is here and it's not, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any? Oh, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I think, though, like, I'm glad I'm dealing with it during the summer because it would be really hard to, like, miss out on college Yeah, and have to deal with this. But, yeah, anyways, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, ask if you had any other, like, thoughts about um, what we talked about or if um, there's anything you want to say to someone, like, who is struggling with something similar. I would just say, like, you know, like, now is the best time, like, I don't know, (laughs) you should, you should reach out and try to get help, because, like, if you don't, it's just going to keep going, and, like, now is, like, a good time as ever to just, like, you know, get that extra support, especially if you don't think you need it, like, you definitely do. Yeah, and even, like, you don't have to like jump into something you're not ready for because Mm -hmm. you might not do it right. You know, you might just want to start with baby steps, like talking to someone about it first and then like doing like small things at the time even, but just like getting that help is really important. Yeah. And surrounding yourself with people that understand you and won't judge you or point fingers at you or just want to help you, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, making sure that you have friends that like when you tell them about your eating disorder like try to you know like they're conscious about it and like don't say those things that are triggering to you because that means that they really care about like you know what affects you yeah exactly and I think it's hard to find good friends Mm -hmm. I think I've lost friends due to my eating disorder because people just I wouldn't say, like, we got into fights or anything. It was just, like, a slow, like, well, I can't do this anymore. 
you know what yeah. I mean? Like I, and not even verbalize, just like this unsayable thing, like you're so sick and like I can't help you and I don't, you don't want my help and like we can't connect like we used to because you're so sick, you know? Yeah. And the right people won't leave. They won't get scared away. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why, like, I found, like, you and Avery and we all connected so well was because, like, we were all around the same age and, like, in treatment, I think everyone's been through what you've been through and you can find some real, like, connections there. Yeah. Uh, I think just, like, we connected so much because we were both, like, like, we didn't know each other that well, but we were just, like, so vulnerable about sharing, like, our, like, <laughs> darkest times with each other. And I feel like when you do that, you can really connect with people. Exactly. And I feel like it's okay, like, to laugh about things sometimes, too. Like, sometimes I can be like, that was crazy. Or, like, yeah. you know, like, sometimes it helps me to make jokes. And I know that's, like, not everyone's experience. And, like, everyone should be everyone's grief around it should be honored and everything but I honestly feel Mm -hmm. like for me I sometimes need to just make a joke about it yeah I think that really helped like we would laugh so much about like we really would (laughs) the darkest things but it like really helped because it was like okay we both understand like how messed up that was like let's just laugh about it now yeah because there's nothing else we could do we were stuck there Exactly. Yeah, like, we were not about to be let out anytime soon either. (laughs) (laughs) They were keen on keeping us there for as long as they could. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is another thing. Um, But, yeah. So, what do you do now when you have an urge or something? Do you have, like, things, like, a list of things you do instead? Yeah, I think, like, because a lot of it is, like, okay, what was that behavior, like, what need was that behavior meeting? And, like, a lot of it is, like, oh, well, that that behavior was, like, helping me cope, you know, when I was upset and, like, you know, find yeah. comfort. And so it's, like, can you find other things in your life that bring you those that same result? So, like, you know, self-care, like, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, taking care of yourself, like, doing a face mask, you know, that's kind of cliche, but it just little things like that, like, reaching out to somebody and just asking them to listen to you like men or something like that. Yeah. It helps. Definitely. I think that's a really good point you made about, about it serving a specific need. And if you can Mm -hmm. meet that need, you don't need the behavior as much. I -hmm. actually never thought about it that way. I was always just like, so for the instant gratification of it that I just, yeah, I didn't understand that. You know, it like a lot of other things won't feel the same, and it's really tough because it is like instant gratification. But yeah, like the longer you do it, the more you can see that like you can use other tools in your life to like get that same like you know comfort and like you know maybe that's like getting some fresh air, like splashing your face with cold water, like just try different coping skills and see what works for you um, as a replacement for like this negative coping thing that you've been using for so long. Exactly. And I feel like sometimes things feel so bad that they almost feel good. And it's like, well, why can't you just do something that feels good? Why aren't you giving yourself that thing that feels good? And that's Mm -hmm. like the problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
we got deep. We've been talking <laughs> for 45 minutes, too. That's crazy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me. I don't know if there's anything else that you'd want to talk about or this is like a space for you to like share whatever, you know, you, yeah. you want other people to hear. I feel like we touched on like a lot of important stuff, but like, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. So the next conversation is with an old friend from college named Kate Letty. I met Kate at a club called Active Minds at UMass, which aims to spread awareness about mental illness and reduce the stigma around it. Kate also wrote a book called Homesick Season, which is about nostalgia for people, places, and states of mind. And there are several poems about eating disorders in the book, so I thought I would talk to her about it. Hello? Hi. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. Awesome. So I have a couple questions I wanted to ask you today. And I just wanted to talk to you about your experience with eating disorders and the book that you wrote and everything? Uh, cool. So, uh, let's see. My experience with my eating disorder, I guess my experience with diet culture really goes back as far as when I was nine or ten. I can remember really feeling conscious of my body in a sense of, oh, it needs to look a certain way for me to be considered valid and successful and uh, that really manifested into an eating disorder around the age of 12 or 13 um, when I started really consciously restricting my diet and uh, trying to uh, manipulate my body with exercise and, and really I remember so much of it being about control and so much of it being about, you know, this illusion of if, if my body looks a certain way first, then all success is going to come after that. If, if I look a certain way, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be noticed by people. I'm going to be more successful. I'm going to be unique in a way because out of my friend group, I'll be, you know, I'll be the one who has the perfect diet and the perfect exercise routine and is, is perfect in her appearance. And that this whole illusion that really comes from, you know, our media magazines um, was just so ingrained into me. And that really lasted a lot through high school and, um, and into college, I would say there was a lot of, um, there were some relapses that happened in college. Um, as far as my book goes, I, right. I, I honestly (laughs) would absolutely not. If someone were to ask me like where I wanted to be, um, just a few years back, I would. This would not even be on my radar that I would have a book and that I would be, you know, going on a tour and and sharing my words with people. Um, I started writing poetry in high school, and I only wrote it for myself. I I know I started listening to uh, button poetry and different um, slam poems on YouTube, and really just fell in love with the art form um and so I would occasionally write poems just for myself just um to get feelings down I've always been 
I've always been someone who journals. I've always been someone who's really drawn to writing. Um, but mostly, you know, with journaling, it was always for, for me. Yeah. And so I, I never had the intention to really get into sharing it with other people until probably my senior year of college. You know, I would occasionally share poems with my friends and um, they were really kind with their feedback. And I went to my first open mic when I was a senior in college. So that was just about four years ago. Uh, four years ago? Three years ago? Um, how old am I? <laughs> but, uh, and then when I moved to Portland just two years ago, I started really going to open mics more just to listen. I decided I would try my hand at, at doing poetry uh, in front of an audience. And it just fell in love with it. Um, really fell in love with the community. The community has been incredible. Um, and I could ramble on forever, but that's like a little bit of, of the groundwork. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I was reading your poem, um, Relapse today. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just like, I resonated with it a lot. Um, especially the line, like your eating disorder has already decided how you are doing today. Yeah. I would say at, at this point, um, in my recovery, the things that really, bother me are um the very fat phobic comments that kind of put eating disorders in a box and kind of make an eating disorder all about um thinness and and thin people and um a lot of a lot of my own recovery is like very it's very rooted in activism I think what really helped me um heal was putting myself in a community that was bigger than my own eating disorder and was, you know, a lot of, a lot of different people of different body sizes and and different backgrounds having very different eating disorders that, you know, maybe share some common links, but are, you know, very different experiences. And so it really, it really bothers me when, um, people make comments that assume that an eating disorder and having an eating disorder is associated with like a certain appearance. The number one comment I cannot stand is people saying, Oh, you don't, you don't look like you have an eating disorder. I hate that so much. Yeah. It's, Oh God, it is. It is the worst one hearing people, you know, and, and it's one that, you know, I always like to think that we're, we're past it, but, people don't make comments like that anymore and it makes me realize that like I sometimes am in a little bit of a bubble in like the uh with the people I surround myself by um I I think that we're past comments like that but we're we're totally not I I've heard that one a lot of people um assuming that eating disorders are are something you can see on the outside and and I do find that to be a triggering comment too because I would say that my my eating disorder um was really at its worst when I was at one of my highest weights and me too um yeah and so to have people you know kind of assume that I was I was doing a lot better because my body was 
was bigger um, was really harmful because, uh, you know, it, it, I was doing my worst, I would say, mentally. And, and it's interesting how, you know, so many mental illnesses, like, you know, anxiety, depression, like we, we are fighting this battle, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, we're like fighting this battle where everyone's saying it, it's not something you can see, it's invisible, it's mental. And I really feel like eating disorders receive kind of the worst stigma with that, where it's like, oh, it, it has to be physical, it has to be physical for it to be in its worst stage. And that's so harmful. I totally agree. Yeah. I think that especially hearing like you look so healthy to me is really triggering because it's like mm-hmm. I think the word healthy is such a I guess it's such a broad term like it could mean like you have glowing mm-hmm. skin or something like that but for me it's always like oh like I just like jump to the worst case and I'm like oh they think I'm fat you know right and there's so much yeah healthy holds so much there's, there's so much to unpack from that word, too. Like, yeah, it's like, what do people mean when they mean healthy? And, and it, it like, I think I, I get really, I get triggered by that word more when, when people are talking about, like, going on diets. And they're like, oh, I just, I just want to be healthy. I just want to be healthy. Like, well, what do you mean by that? And I, I there's a therapist um, I worked with who really taught me, how powerful it can be to just consistently ask people what they mean by that. Like, what do you mean when you're, when you're saying healthy, like when people are dieting, do they mean like, just, you know, if you keep asking, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? It often gets rooted down to like, Oh, I'm just trying to lose weight. And, and those aren't correlated like weight loss and, and being healthy are not, you know, they're not, it's not like, going to be helpful necessarily um there there isn't like a direct link to you know being overall healthy as a person and and your weight it just doesn't it does not work that way um and yeah and, and I think I think that that word healthy is such a yeah you're right it's such a broad term too and there's so many different words that could be used like you know, you seem happier, you seem like more present is a great one. Um, There's so many different words that people can use when, when they use this broad term healthy. Yeah, yeah. What would you, if you could have someone give you a compliment now, what would you want it to be? If they had seen you now, like versus five years ago? Yeah, Mm. um, I really appreciate, if I had, okay, let's see, hmm, that's a good question, um, I think right now, if, if someone were to give me a compliment, I would really love for it to be on my nature as a person in relationship. I think I'm a really empathetic person. I think I'm a really compassionate person. Um, I do think that I have talent in writing and, and I appreciate compliments like that. And also, um, that's something that 
has also can also be difficult for me in, in wanting to constantly be good at something and constantly be putting out some sort of skill. Um, you know, I really value compliments on my skills and also I really appreciate compliments that are just on my existence when I'm near a person. Like, what do people like about me in, a, in relationships with them? You know, why am I a valued person to to a friend or, or a coworker, like an acquaintance? Um, I really appreciate those. And I think that, you know, years ago, I, especially when I was deep in my eating disorder, it was very appearance-based. Yeah, I wanted to be, I desperately wanted to be um, appreciated for my body. I wanted to be called thin. I wanted to be called, you know, attractive, pretty. And I think what I realized is that a lot of that, you know, when you dig into it is actually me wanting to be just valued and appreciated. But I was taught that that has to be around as, as a woman, especially I was taught that that has to be based around my appearance. So in a way, it was kind of the same desire. Like I wanted to be valued in my relationship, but I had it misconstrued as like, you know, I want to be valued and and my body is the way to get there. Yeah, that's so true. If you could um, kind of describe where you are in your recovery process, where would you say that you are now? Um, I feel, I feel very stable in the place that I am now, which I'm, I'm still really grateful to say. Um, I think that I will always be in a place where I, I keep my eating disorder in, in my line of sight in some way. It's on my radar. And, um, Hearing that used to really, I used to hear other people who were recovered say things like that, and it would really bum me out when I would hear it. I was yeah. like, oh, God, I, you live with this forever. It's just like this forever. And um, I'm at a point where I, I do believe that, and it's not, a, it's not an inconvenience in my life. It's like, it's me waking up and, you know, I'm not thinking about my eating disorder first thing in the morning. I'm not thinking about it for entire days. And it's something that I have to keep on my radar when difficult things happen in my life. Um, yeah. And that, that's just self-love. I, I don't think that that is a, a huge burden or anything that's me living with this mental illness that I I do kind of think I'm going to have forever. And, you know, everyone's got something that they've got to do for self-love. And that's just part of my work. That's part of what I have to do every day. And so for me, that means like, um, when things, when things are hard in my life and when things are sad, I have to kind of keep myself conscious of my eating disorder because, I think one of, like, a a really big misconception that we have about recovery, or a lot of people tend to have, myself included, is that, like, oh, you recover, and then it's over, and, like, it's done, it's behind you, your eating disorder, you know, packed away, gone, and um, I do try to write, or I do try to um, write about relapse a lot, like, in in that poem that's in my book, um, I do... 
I do try to keep that a lot on my radar because like things are going to happen in my life that um, are still sad and are still, I'm still going to experience grief. I'm still going to experience, you know, pain and loss and, and heartbreak um, because I'm a human being. And so that's going to happen. And, you know, recovery is not this magical land where, you know, nothing makes me sad anymore. Yeah. The difference is just that, I am sad in a way that's not fueling my mental illness. Um, I'm sad in a way that's not putting me down a huge hole um, of my eating disorder again. And um, and that's something that, yeah, I do have to stay conscious of also because, you know, things are going to happen in my life that um, types of grief and types of sadness and heartbreak that I've never experienced before. And so they might trigger my eating disorder in ways I've never experienced before. Um, I mentioned that in my poem um, about telling my mom that I was assaulted. Um, There's a line about eating becoming difficult again because sexual assault was something I had never experienced before. And it um, it really triggered my eating disorder in ways that I wasn't expecting. And I feel, I feel very grateful to myself that I'm in a place where I can recognize that coming up um, and, and and really trying to practice normalizing um, human reactions versus eating disorder reactions. You know, I, I think yeah. a lot of people who experience trauma and grief, um, you know, you might not necessarily be like, well, I want to, you know, have a nice, like, quote-unquote, balanced meal, and, you know, like, eating, whether or not you've experienced an eating disorder, like, eating can become really difficult in in hard times, and that's okay sometimes, like, you know, people can have, you know, you you can be experiencing massive heartbreak or trauma and be like, I don't have an appetite right now, and, um, and, and really trying to normalize that for myself right now is so important when I'm when I'm having hard days just being like oh eating is hard today and you know I'm going to do what what's the best for me and this doesn't mean that I'm going to spiral into a massive relapse yeah um, yeah so so I, I feel grateful for where I am right now in my recovery um and, and I feel really okay with the knowing that this might be how it is for my whole life I might always have to have this eating disorder on my radar I am always going to be living with it and and that's okay and that's not like a a massive you know burden on my life yeah yeah so where can we buy your book we can buy it on your website right buy it on my website awesome www.kateletty.com um yeah and and people who are on the on the west coast i'm gonna be going on tour in august which is very soon (laughs) um and more information about that is also on my website awesome thank you so much for talking to me kate yeah thanks for having me thank you 